Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then he then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right, here it is. Welcome to episode number 120 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show for you guys today. Uh, We've got Paul, the clone coach, as our interview. He's going to teach you all about rooting clones and cuttings. Uh, We've got an amazing grow tip on F1 hybrids, what they are and why you should grow them, as well as a bunch of answers to your listener grow questions and much more, all brought to you by... Seeds Here Now, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, Prime Superior Inoculant, and our brand new advertiser, Purple Rose Supply. They make Canagar molds, uh, blunt rollers for Canagars, and we will tell you all about them very shortly. So stick around. Episode number 120 of Grow Bud Yourself is coming at you. Whether you're growing from seed or from clone, Prime Superior's simple, safe, and effective products can take your cultivation program to the next level. Prime Superior offers a two-step process that will benefit any garden. This is possible thanks to Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassiana, which is optimized for plants and sets up a symbiosis that increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Simply coat your seed to inoculate and aid rapid germination or dip your clone cutting with the world's first biological cloning honey and improve growth the way nature intended. Next, continue maintenance on your crop with foliar or fog applications of Prime Superior's Drench, which will boost your plant's growth and ensure a healthy harvest. Best of all, the Drench will work with already established gardens, so anyone at any stage of growth can achieve a cleaner crop with better yields. I gotta tell you, I use this stuff myself, not just on my cannabis, but on houseplants as well. And everything has greened up. Everything is super healthy, whether it's the seed coating product, the cloning honey, which is incredible. The drench is absolutely great. It comes in a spray bottle, uh, pre-mixed, so it's ready to be sprayed. This stuff is incredible. And I have literally noticed more cannabinoids and more terpenes. So it really is an amazing product. And now's the time to try Prime Superior and the world's first biological cloning honey. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com today to learn more. All right, welcome back. This is episode number 120 of Grow Bud Yourself. Amazing. I want to thank DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the incredible tune. Jacques made the music. Winstrong sings the lyrics. And uh, man, it's quite the earworm. I love it. Grow (laughs) Bud Yourself. And uh, yeah, man. Mike, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I know we've talked about it before, but but, uh, Jacques and Winstrong, they, they did the original song the original uh, free weed song for the old podcast. Then they did yes. a, a one-off free hash song. And then yeah. they were kind enough to to give us the the new grow bud yourself theme. So yeah, thank you to them. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a, we have a, a, a shroomy show coming up in the near future. Maybe we'll get them to record something <laughs> for that. That'd be fun. Free shrooms. Yeah. Free, free shrooms. You know, you just step outside and they're all around you. <laughs> Doesn't sound too bad. 
Actually, right? it's moving that way in a couple of states. So yeah, maybe it is apropos. Excellent. Well, let's get into it. What is going on out there in the in the uh, the cannabis world? In the cannabis world, uh, yeah. Let's talk about some some cannabis news. Uh, let's start in Ohio. And Ohio could well become the next state to legalize recreational cannabis for adults as an initiative has been placed on the ballot for the upcoming election that will happen this November. Uh, this initiative, known as State Issue 2, would legalize adult-use marijuana while also establishing a retail market allowing those 21 and older to purchase and possess up to 2.5 ounces of pot and 15 grams of concentrates. So not too bad there. And luckily for any Ohioans listening to this podcast, uh, the proposal would also allow cultivation of up to six plants per person or 12 pot plants per household in total. And continuing a trend that has helped spread state legalization more than any other issue, in my opinion, the Ohio initiative includes a social equity component that would prioritize retail and cultivation licenses for those who were disproportionately impacted by the war on weed. State Issue 2, if passed, would also restrict opt-outs, which are pretty common. Uh, they're common sort of cop-outs written into legalization laws that allow jurisdictions to opt out of newly legal cannabis industries. Opt-outs have greatly impacted the growth of the industry in multiple states, and uh, it seems particularly progressive that Ohio foresaw this problem and decided to restrict the use of opt-outs in this proposal. Of course, it's not all sunshine and lemon drops in Ohio, as the ballot initiative is already facing down heavy criticisms, as the governor opposes legalization there. And now the Association of Ohio Health Commissioners, which represent over 100 local health departments across the state, has come out against legalizing pot. And if that wasn't bad enough, the measure can also be modified or outright repealed by the state legislature if they simply choose to do so. And while reports currently state that lawmakers will uphold the will of the voters, we've seen how that's turned out before in other states like South Dakota, where legalization was shamefully overturned after voters approved it in 2020. But interesting stuff happening in Ohio. Yeah, you know, and the word high is right there in the name <laughs> of the state, you know. Oh, Should have seen it coming, yeah. Yo, oh, hi, yo. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, but on all seriousness, uh, I'm really glad that... Uh, you know, these Midwest states are, are are on board now. We've got a lot of them uh, that used to be very anti are now really uh, getting on board and they can grow something besides uh, corn and soybeans because we really need to uh, diversify our crops out there and rotate our crops and do something besides uh, subsidized, you know, corn syrup and uh, soybean paste or whatever they, <laughs> they use all that for. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are great places to grow. And I think uh, certainly we need uh, we need all all the Midwest states to come on board with cannabis like we have, obviously, with Michigan and Illinois and a few others out there. But um, Ohio is a big one. And we could really uh, we could really use a legal framework there. Yeah. So hopefully that all goes well. That's going to go down this November. So fast approaching. We'll we'll keep uh, everybody apprised of the situation in Ohio. Excellent. All right, well, let's move on to this one. This is kind of interesting. Uh, according to a new report from the National Survey of Drug Use and Health, senior citizens are embracing cannabis like never before as people over the age of 65 represent the fastest growing demographic 
trying the devil's lettuce for the first time. <laughs> Seniors are outpacing their own children and even their grandchildren in giving cannabis a try. In fact, the survey shows a five-fold increase since 2012, all the way up to 7% of seniors in 2021. Reports indicate that while many in that generation experimented with marijuana in their younger days, new legalization laws sweeping the country are helping to destigmatize pot use and have led to this increase in experimentation for those over 65. They're also apparently making uh, use of the newer, more regulated forms of marijuana, like edibles, that have become available in newly legal markets. So there you go. If you notice grandma helping herself to some extra stuffing at Thanksgiving, it's possible that she's ditched the, the pills and embraced weed. Absolutely. And and all for the better, you know, a better quality of life uh, and better enjoyment and less of those poisons that uh, really seem to take people downhill. Yeah, for sure. I highly recommend it for for everyone, you know, but seniors in particular could certainly benefit from more cannabis, less pharmaceuticals. Yeah, it's interesting that that generation, which I guess that's the the baby boomer generation over 65, you know, that's the Woodstock generation. They, It's interesting that so many of them are trying pot for the first time at 65. Yeah, no, it's weird because you, you would imagine they would have certainly have tried it in their youth. I think a lot of them, you know, did try it maybe in their youth uh, and then moved moved on, had families, mm. whatever it was. Uh, and now they're they're returning to it, you know, in a different yeah. form. Yeah, rediscovering gummies and vapes and, you know, uh, all these drinks and things that are out there that uh, are make us a wonderful alternative to uh, a lot of the poisons and things that are that are out there for them as well so i think it's a it's a win for sure for seniors and it'll extend their life and make it more enjoyable absolutely and that sounds like a good thing this next story and our last story is sort of a bad thing but let's talk about it anyway because it's very interesting at least to me and to people who follow the cannabis industry uh, so as i said as most people who follow uh, the cannabis space which I hate saying. So cannabis industry are already <laughs> aware. Um, multi-state operators or MSOs are giant companies that own cannabis dispensaries in multiple states where they sell recreational and medical marijuana. And one such MSO that showed great promise at one point is Acreage. That's a New York-based company that was acquired by Canadian giant Canopy for $3.4 billion back in 2019 when it looked very much like federal legalization was imminent. So now, four years later, while more states have joined the adult use fray, the country continues to ban marijuana federally, and Acreage is feeling the heat. Um, most recently, the former CEO of Acreage Holdings, Kevin Murphy, and the former Prime Minister of Canada, Brian Mulroney, have resigned from Acreage's uh, board of directors. And the move comes as the company continues to report massive losses, hemorrhaging money year after year. So just listen to these reported net losses, um, a loss of $32.3 million in 2018, followed by $195.2 million in 2019, $360.1 million in 2020, which perhaps not coincidentally was Murphy's last year as Acreage's CEO. And that somewhat uh, helped as they only lost only lost seventy three point two million in twenty twenty one, but they're uh, they're back up to a net loss of one hundred and sixty eight point seven million in twenty twenty two. So 
Yeah, it's really crazy that a company this big that entered the market and sort of cornered the market, right, as it appeared America was on the brink of federal legalization, can just come crashing down this hard. And Canopy must be asking themselves what they've gotten into with this acquisition. Yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy. I don't understand how any of this stuff works. I don't know how they can lose <laughs> so much money. You know, they say, you know, in order to make 1 million in the cannabis industry, you got to spend 5 million. Uh, but in this case, it's like you got to spend 500 million to make uh, 1 million or, or more. I don't know. It's crazy. I don't understand how any of this works, how these companies are able to get all this money. Uh, you know, it to me, it just sounds like a pyramid scheme at some point where it's like they're just taking investors' money and 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 hoping at some point for legalization and that they'll somehow have a foot in the door. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Their business models seem uh, a little askew to me as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, that's why I push home growth so much. It's like you don't need these companies. They're charging prohibition era based prices. They're growing boof, you know, in large amounts. But really, ultimately, that's the stuff that should be for gummies and vape pens. I don't want to be purchasing my high-end flour from a company that's growing it in huge quantities. So, uh, you know, uh, if you're a connoisseur and you love great flour, that's not that's not the way to go. Uh, but, you know, like I said, if you want gummies and chocolates and and things like that and, and, and you want to keep it real simple and just uh, get out there and buy it, I'd say, first off, try to buy it from a smaller producer more local but uh you know that's that's what those places are are decent for you know the manufacturing being able to make sodas and things like that you know like the seltzers and and all that with nanotechnology that hits you quicker um but ultimately uh you know to me it's funny i i was thinking about this analogy i always call a home growing sort of like alchemy where you're creating gold out of thin air I, i'm sure you guys have heard that before if you listen to the show uh, but then you look at the industry and that's kind of the gold rush, right? Everyone's jumping in and everyone thinks there's all this gold to be made. And certainly, you know, one out of a hundred will find some gold during the gold rush, but everyone else is is left shit out of luck. Uh, and then even the people selling the shovels, they say, oh, well, instead of digging for gold, sell the shovels. Well, even ancillary businesses aren't doing so great. So at the end of the day, why not take yourself out of the industry entirely? Don't go digging for gold. Don't go selling shovels. Just create gold out of thin air. Just take water, light, food, and nutrients and some seeds and create something that's worth its weight in gold uh, and uh, and cheaper than anything that you're going to buy from the industry. Take yourself out of the industry entirely. And that's what home grows all about. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, I want to see people home growing and trading jars with each other and going to farmers markets where they display their wares, uh, show what they got, and everyone's got that option of uh, purchasing local kind bud grown with love. <laughs> it is kind of stunning. Like if the if the small local craft uh, uh, cultivators and companies aren't making money, and then the giant corporations with with millions and billions of dollars aren't making money, who is making money in in legalization? <laughs> I mean, that is a good question. The people that are somehow bilking investors, I mean, that's right. That seems to be the people that are making money. They're paying themselves 
exorbitant salaries. They're flying around right. in private jets. They're holding meetings at real fancy restaurants. They're golfing all day and having a blast, but they're spending other people's money uh, and then getting a golden parachute uh, to walk away at some point, which I'm sure that like those people that you're talking about that lost all those yeah. hundreds of millions still ended up uh, with a nice big house and a nice, you know, big garage. And I bet they did. Uh, okay. Maybe a yacht or two, you know, <laughs> I, I, but it's other people's money that they're spending uh, and they're not making money. So I don't know, to me, it's, it's, it's baffling, but again, my recommendation is don't even try it. Just grow your own. And, uh, and you don't have to worry about any of that. That makes sense. All right. Live off the land, says Dan. <laughs> uh, that's a bit of what's going on in the world of cannabis. But we have a really exciting interview coming up. Yeah, we got Paul, the clone coach. I've been seeing him uh, online for, for, for a while now and really uh, interested in, in, in his techniques, his SOP, how he basically teaches people how to root cuttings and have really healthy clones going right into uh, production, uh, right into the vegetative stage. And that's what you need. You need healthy moms, healthy clones uh, in order to have healthy vegging plants and big, beautiful flowering plants. So it all starts uh, with a great mom uh, and being able to actually take cuttings and root them and have strong uh, rooted clones and that's what paul the clone coach is all about so why don't we take a break uh and we'll come back after uh these messages with paul the clone coach we'd like to tell you about our latest sponsor purple rose supply purple rose supplies canagar molds give you the tools you need to smoke more and roll less Spending time rolling multiple joints can take a long time, preventing you from doing what you actually love. The solution? More smoking, less rolling, with a cannabis cigar that burns longer. So how does it work? Weed is compressed into the mold, with the skewer placed in the middle for airflow. Since the weed is tightly compressed, it leaves less space for air pockets in your roll, giving you a slower burn. Even with the smallest size Canagar mold that holds 1 to 2 grams, you're getting more out of your grams in a canagar as opposed to a regular blunt since it burns way longer. And Purple Rose Supply offers mold sizes all the way up to 10 to 14 grams for when you have a larger group of friends. If you're a grower, canagars can also be a way to showcase the strains you grow and take your smoke experience to an entirely new level. Learn more at purplerosesupply.com. Follow them on Instagram at purplerosesupply. And don't forget to use code GBY20 for 20% off your order. All right. Welcome back. And uh, we have a special guest for you guys this week. Uh, I want you to meet Paul, the clone coach. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Danny. It's it's funny because I've read your articles growing up and high times and always you know held you as this held you as this like mythical figure. And here we are <laughs> speaking to each other, having this conversation. So I'm super stoked, Danny. Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, I I truly appreciate it. That's amazing. Uh um, well, I, I should say, you know, uh you're the, you're you are a clone coach for people. You help people uh with propagation. Um, you're an expert in the field of cloning and running nurseries in particular 
but let's let's first start out with you um, and how you got involved in cannabis to begin with. How how uh, how this plant, uh, you know, and Came you made a connection. Life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for sure, it's been around for a while, Danny. Um, you know, the whole kind of story starts with like I call it the story of Wonder Woman. In high school, I ordered seeds from a European seed bank, and the strain I ordered was called Wonder Woman, which was a, a skunk cross, with super skunk cross with White Widow. And it came with a bunch of freebie seeds and, you know, super sketchy getting seeds in the mail back in, you know, the mid-2000s as a teenager and stuff. But that's, you know, I ha always had the desire to, to, you know, plant the seed and grow this plant, right? Never really had the space and ability to do so growing up as a teenager, living at home, you know. I got away with the CFL light in the closet, uh, but that didn't last long. Um, but uh, growing up, I always had the desire to, to, you know, to get a garden going. I couldn't go get a garden going. I didn't have the space, but a friend of mine did. He needed seeds. I provided those seeds to him when it was, he got his garden going. When I finally had the space to start a garden, I got stuck when I tried, when I tried to find genetics to fill the garden. I reached out to that buddy. I was like, hey, you still got those seeds going? He's like, absolutely. Come on through, take some cuts, and you know they're your seeds, right? Keep them going. It was my that was my first tray of clones I ever took. I cut I cut the bottoms, and it took me forever to cut this tray of clones. I got that tray of clone going. I rooted them. I kept some mother stock behind, and I took the rest of them to a local dispensary. And I you know flipped you know flipped them, walked out with cash, and I never looked back. And I've always had the passion for the plant. I mean, I'm always been an advocate for it helping loved ones, you know, uh, just get through ailments that other medications and other things didn't work for them. I've always been the the medicinal, uh, you know, kind of advocate to it as well. So just just all encompassing. And I'm, I'm blessed to, uh, you know, be helping others, you know, propagate more plants that, that, that we both enjoy. That's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, now, um, Cloning in particular, I mean, some of our, a lot of our listeners are beginners and they're interested in, in growing their own. Um, typically, I think they mostly buy seeds and grow from seed. Uh, but what, you know, what are the advantages of having uh, a vegging mother plant and taking clones from the mother plant? What are, what are some of the benefits and why should people know how to clone? Absolutely. Popping seeds is fantastic. It's a great way to kind of it, that's uh, you know sexual what they call sexual propagation, right? That's just you know germinating seeds, propagating seeds, and finding your winners, right? There's a lot of good winners in these seeds. So if you're popping seeds and you find a phenomenal flower that you want to keep around, and you know share to other gardens or just you know just get more of the same, that's where a a mother plant and cloning, which is asexual propagation, come come into play. You found that winner, you found that gem. Now you're going to make hundreds or thousands of these plant of that particular strain to produce more and more of that flower, be it for yourself or for others. So it's a really good way to keep the genetic alive. And when you find that winner, to keep keep getting more of that same winner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the uniform behavior too, especially indoors, is so important. Like, you know, growing the same genetics. Uh, multiple plants of the same genetics means they're going to behave the same way. So um, you don't get that, you know, uh, tall, stretchy plant, short, you know, stocky plant uh, thing that you get when you plant random seeds, right? I mean, it's like, uh, yeah. um, now a lot of the clones that I see people take, and even myself in the past, 
um, they seem to struggle. You know what I mean? Like you, you take the cut and they're somewhat healthy, but by the time they root, which could be up to, you know, two weeks later, uh, they're practically dead, you know? Uh, and then they root and sometimes they kind of bounce back, but like, what, what, what are, what are the, you know, the problems and the mistakes that people make uh, that lead to unhealthy clones and clones that either won't root or barely, barely root at the, you know, at the, <laughs> at the edge of death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've seen it too, too often. I think we all have. And, um, you know, there, there's a couple parts to it, you know, and alluding to what you said earlier, you know, the uniformity is something that, you know, even commercial growers struggle with, right. And commercial operators struggle with. So uniformity is, is, is hugely valuable in your garden. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of people that have struggled with their clones and it usually tends to be the kind of old school mentality, right? Where a couple of things, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to change their methods or try new methods or be open to learning. So they're kind of stuck in the same old ways. And, you know, this plant's amazing. So it'll eventually get you by people still flowered out crops and got through the process, even with clones that were struggling significantly. Um, but, you know, at a real basic level, a lot of the struggles stem from kind of treating your plant, treating your clones like babies, I like to say. Like, it all starts in a mother plant. So if your mother plant is vibrant and happy and healthy and green and perky and everything you want in a mother plant, you should be able to carry that same momentum over. But a lot of people would treat them, treat the clones like babies all of a sudden, reduce their food to almost nothing suffocate them with humidity don't allow not allowing them to breathe to transpire to get fresh air just just too much of uh, you know reducing temperature increasing humidity just creating a damp humid environment with no food for days on end a week plus and that's where the majority of struggles stem from which is treating them you know a little bit you know like babies too much you know they take away all their food oh they can't handle it they can't handle it it's like no, um, my mentality and what I've seen in my years of practice, it's quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the things you recommend is is basically uh, giving the plant full newts, right? Like uh, having, keeping it uh, well, uh, well fed uh, and, you know, providing microbes and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Take, take me through uh, the, the, the first question, obviously, that most people have is, where do I take the cut? Is it below the node? Is it above a node? Is it between nodes? Um, so take me through, uh, you've got a nice, healthy mother plant. The mother plant is in a vegetative stage. I think that's important for people to, to know, too, how difficult it is to clone a flowering plant uh, because, you know, it's basically just like reversing from the flowering stage back to veg. And so it's, it is important to have a healthy mother in the vegetative stage but now that you have that take me through the process where do you take that cut uh what do you do with it after it's cut and uh and how do you keep it happy absolutely when i, I mean you could take a you could take a clone from most anywhere on the plant from top to bottom from a side branch to a little sucker branch to the main top the main growth most any part of the plant will root right but for uniformity in your next crop, you ideally want to get the same growth for, uh, of, of all your stems. So be it all the tops, be it all the edges, as long as they're the same growth, um, that's how you get that uniformity. But 
there was a myth. No, nah, I mean these are like all kind of like grow, grow myths, right? Where you just gotta just gotta trial them and test them and see if they're accurate or not. And one of them was you need a node to root a clone. And most often, or most often, uh, if you would have to do that, you you would have to adjust the the clone height because depending on the node spacing on your clone, you either have a really tall or a really short clone, or you have a an a, a, a not a uniform crop in your tray because you're trying to catch these nodes and bury these nodes into cubes. But what I found, you don't need a node to make roots. It's not the the crutch. It's not the hundred percent you know be all. Um, factor when trying to generate roots. So I just make my stems uniform, make a nice clean 45 degree cut with a scalpel. If they're a little bit older material, more leaning more towards semi-hardwood to hardwood, you could scrape the outside layer. But if they're fresh growth, which is what you really want, you don't need to do that. Nice clean cut hormone application into the rooting plug. And no matter where that, that node lies, you'll still be able to root that clone. Um, you'll probably, you know, they'll, they'll, roots will come out of anywhere on the plant, basically. So like, even if you break open a cube, you'll see that inch of stem you buried and there should be uh, roots coming out from all directions, the entire stem. It's not like it's only stemming from a node. If you ever pop open a cube and want to test it and trial it, you can see for yourself. Yeah, so the roots do eventually pop out from 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 anywhere. Um, now, what about damping off? That's something that I think affects a lot of people. Um, what are some techniques to prevent uh, damping? Well, what is damping off? And then what are some techniques to prevent that? So damping off is basically a, 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 a rot, a pathogen, right? You basically have that pathogen taken over um and kind of making your stems stem super soggy and just you know making it all to mush basically you know at a, a real layman's level um but damping off comes from the pathogen pressure which if you're not preventing pathogens from invading or or defending pathogens from invading then you're more susceptible to the pathogen pressure because you're going to have you know a cold or, or or a really damp high humid environment that like anything else Mold, pathogens love high humidity and that extra moisture. The other factor in damping off is the external environmentals. Like I mentioned earlier, where, keep, where people would keep the dome closed, 100% closed and just this damp, humid environment inside their dome on their tray setup, that leads to damping off significantly as well. So if you're just allowing pathogens to breed undisturbed in the perfect environment for them and you didn't do any sort of prevention or defensive naturally in your root rooting media with inoculants, biofungicides, fungicides, then you're just so susceptible to damping off. You just give it the right parameters, both you know, with the environmentals and the lack of um, any sort of defense. So, you know, I always recommend for people uh you know, a, a certain level of humidity. I mean, you do you do want of humidity, of course. So I do like the domes, uh, at least for the first week or so. Um, mm -hmm. And I even like, you know, the, the heat trays, um, depending on, you know, where people live, but like a nice uh, electric heat tray underneath uh, the, the cloning tray as well, just because I think that slight increase in temperature really helps uh, keep the plant happy and healthy. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on 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 the 
Well, just temperature and humidity for for cloning. Well, hundred percent. You need to increase the humidity. So don't you know? Hopefully, hopefully nobody misunderstood that as like, oh, we shouldn't have humidity is bad for propagation. No, humidity humidity is absolutely necessary for propagation. But there's a protocol when it comes to the domes, and there's the venting and letting those those clones, that full tray of clones, breathe and exchange air and CO two and humidity within the room. Um, and my protocols daily, right? So that helps prevent the pathogens, that helps prevent the damping off, but you're still getting the extra humidity um, throughout the rooting process to help you get through there. And on the temperature in the root zone, 100%, if you're, if you're too cold in your propagation environment, you're not gonna stimulate root growth. You're not gonna stimulate transpiration or evaporation, I'm sorry, from the rooting media to help drive back your cubes forcing your stems and roots to search for more water as it's depleting you're not going to get those things happening if you're if you're too cold in your propagation room so heat mats are fantastic for cold drafty basements there's some you know clients out there there's some people out there growing in basements because that's what they got and those heat mats come in clutch in situations like that yeah and i know that you uh you know you tell people that you know you can root in in pretty much any medium uh and using a lot of different nutrients and products, but do you have uh, preferred products? Like, uh, do you prefer, let's say, a powder over a gel as far as a uh, rooting hormone goes uh, or any particular medium uh, that you think is 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 more likely to induce rooting? So for, for the medium, we'll start there. I like to maintain uniformity in my garden. So if I have a DWC... Um, you know, hydroponic, aeroponic type of setup, I, I ideally want to start my clones in an aero cloner. If I'm going into cocoa for veg and flower, I want to start with a cocoa peat based media plug. If I'm going to go into rock wool, I like to start with rock wool. I like to man, maintain uniformity throughout the crop. So you could get them all the work, all to work. Some have, there's pros and cons to each. Some have a little nuances like rock wool has a, a buffering step that if you don't get correct it can throw off your ph and kind of get you a weird start to your rock wool um but you know they, they i like to maintain uniformity so we could definitely make all the all the different methods work um as far as products go i yeah i like i like gel it's something i've used since the very beginning so i'm kind of biased towards that um but one unique application method for the gel that i uh you know kind of just created in a nursery I was working for, we were trying to address the cross-contamination and populate and viroid. And we wanted to reduce the, the sharing points of amongst all the stems and the, the traditional way of filling up a shot glass with rooting hormone gel and dipping every single stem into it was what I wanted to address. And I kind of coined the ketchup bottle tech to where I literally ordered a ketchup bottle from Amazon, filled it up with my rooting gel, and then I pre-filled all of the holes, the pre-made holes on my rooting plugs. So nothing was being shared. And then I directly dipped my stems into the plugs and the gel was already there waiting for the stem. Um, so that's what I, I'm a little biased towards gel. I, I like it. I think it's cool. It's fun. There's always that little you know, fun aspect to it when you use it. Um, but like I mentioned on, on the website, you know, any nutrient brand that could, could be used in the protocols. I don't. You know, you don't need this particular brand versus that particular brand. The main point would be 
are the are the mother plants receiving all the nutrient levels that they really need? Are they happy, healthy, green, and vibrant? If that's the case, it doesn't matter what nutrient brand took you there. In my in my opinion, that's could be used throughout your whole pro process and protocol. So it just makes it more open and available, and it reduces the need to um, have people go shopping just to try out a new cloning method. Right. Now you mentioned uh, a cannabis nursery. Uh, a nursery is basically like uh, a provider of rooted clones for production gardens. Now, uh, tell me about like, you know, running a cannabis nursery because you've done that. Uh, and, you know, again, like I said, this, the, the important thing is that these companies are getting healthy rooted cuttings that they put right into production that don't have that you know week or two weeks of recovery time and mm -hmm. all of that and you also mentioned hop latent virus um and tobacco mosaic virus and all these things that those are things that can spread through a nursery very quickly mm -hmm. uh in infesting plants uh and really uh doing a lot of damage so uh just explain to me like how how to run a cannabis nursery because i know a lot of people uh want to grow flowers but you know, you also need the, the the healthy cuttings to to get there. So explain how a healthy nursery is is maintained. As a nursery provider, your the the your clients are putting a lot of trust into you. You're they're literally putting their entire crop in your hands to a degree, right? They need the best possible start that is free from pathogens, from pests, from viruses, viroids, diseases. You need to provide them as a nursery provider. You need to provide the best possible start to your clients. And I, I mean, I've scaled from a spare bedroom to commercial operations when it comes to nursery provider. Because when I, back to that story from earlier, when I finally had the room to grow a crop, I was going to switch it to flower, and that wasn't my initial intention. But I had such a difficult time trying to source a quality crop set of genetics to flower out. And that's when the, the bell just hit me and said, why don't I just become the source and start making clones to help other gardens out? So there's always a really big need for the nursery sector as more and more states come online, more and more countries come online and everybody's first thoughts and only thoughts is grow flower, but they're gonna need hundreds, thousands, or you know, so many plants that are gonna need to come from a, ideally from a trusted nursery source. So running a nursery, it's, you got it's doing the same thing over and over thousands of times, which is what's difficult. The consistency is what's difficult. You can make a tray of clones pop. This plant's amazing. It'll root, it'll do a lot of things. But to provide nursery stock to others, you have to have consistent production, uh, uniform crops, predictable success rates, pests and disease free on your mother plants, on your clones, on th across thousands of plants and provide them with test results now. It's it's a standard now where you have to provide test results for viruses, viroids, pathogens from your mother stock to give to your clients and say, hey, we're testing our mother stock. You know, we're doing our best to put our best foot forward, ensuring that you get the best product possible. And ideally, you're providing them with flower samples as well of that genetic. So that really would be like the whole pie of like the value of a clone. Um, but it's, you know, running a nursery, it's just that consistency and uniformity week after week, doing the same thing over and over thousands of times, not skipping a beat. Think of it like a cruise ship versus a little speedboat or a dinghy. 
you got to stay nice, steady, true to the course, slow movements, nothing fast, quick, jerking motions. Perfect. Now, uh, let's do a little troubleshooting here. If, if people's clones are starting to fade, they're seeing some, 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 like the roots are just not looking healthy. The clone isn't looking healthy. What, what are, what are some things they can do uh, to diagnose that and fix that, that, those type of problems? So when diagnosing clones, you know, for, for whatever issues, I like to break it up into the three stages of cloning. So in the first stage, you're, the plant's essentially forming a callus, and there's only so many factors that will not allow it to get to the next stage. The next stage is striking. So from that callus, you're going to strike little, little starter roots, little nubs. And the third stage is searching, where you really have those root zone, that root zone searching for moisture and developing a, a really big, robust root zone. So when you're like, well, where do... When, when you want to diagnose your clones, you say, well, where did my clones make it to and not passed? Did they, did they callus? No. Well, let's focus on these first three to four days. We want to focus on the temperature, the humidity, the dry bags, what you inoculate your cube with, what you kind of pre-charge your starting media with. Um, if you have callus, but you're, you're not um, getting to the next stage, you focus on the middle. You probably want to need a dry back. Um, the dome and the media more frequently warm up the environment to get some sort of moisture um, dry back in the middle stage to force those little initial roots to strike. If you have those little ca that callus and those initial strokes, those initial roots uh, struck, but you, you don't have anything more than that, then you focus on the last stage and say, well, I've gotten the first seven or eight days down. It's gotten past the stages as it should. But if it's not searching for water, there's probably an abundance of moisture in the cubes and or a lack of temperature in the root zone and or environment to aid in that evaporation and transpiration and triggering the drybacks in the, in the cubes. So if you're struggling with your clones, think of the three stages of rooting. What stage did your clone make it to or not, not passed? And dive into those sectors to help diagnose. Nice. Now, uh, do you have any experience or thoughts on uh, tissue culture, uh, micro propagation, uh, or cloning on basically a, a cellular level? It's a vital part of the nursery space and has become more prevalent over these last few years as like, just like I mentioned earlier, you got to have test results, you got to have, um, you know, flower samples, proven genetics. Tissue culture as part of the nursery operation has become more of the standard as well. It's it's ideal for propagating really big numbers on a really small footprint, be it for your own use internally for commercial use or to provide into others and or cleaning up genetics and or rejuvenating, rejuvenating genetics. So if you have a gen, you know, like you pop that seed that you made a mother plant of that you've been cloning for years and it just doesn't have that kick and that vigor anymore, you put it through the tissue culture process and ideally bring back some vigor to that original genetic and keep that genetic going. So it's great for cleanup. It's great for storage. It's great for really big propagation numbers on a small footprint, be it small plants. Um, and it's becoming more of a standard uh, as part of the whole nursery package. So there's, you know, tissue culture labs get expensive, you know, as far as like true proper equipment and setup. 
Um, you know, there are some some hobbyist level, um, you know, kits out there that you could, um, you know, purchase and, and do some trials and essentially learn, learn the process, right? Um, but if you could cultivate this plant, propagate them, make clones, you could flower out, you could harvest, you could do everything else, safe to say you could learn tissue culture. Absolutely. Now, you have a playbook uh, for cloning on your website uh, where basically you're telling people they can make super healthy clones in 14 days or less using any nutrients or rooting media guaranteed. Uh, tell me a little bit about the playbook and let people know also where they can find the playbook, how they can uh, follow you on Instagram. I know you do a lot of YouTube as well. You answer cloning questions um, and all kinds of stuff. So uh, explain to people all the things that you do, including, you know, coaching visits and, and consulting and everything. Absolutely. So the Clone Coach Playbook is a summary of essentially all of my SOPs, which are, which is short for standard operating procedures. It's basically the how-to, the step-by-step -step guide, the how-to. Um, I created a, a, a package of PDF documents, training videos, uh, email support, an online uh, coaching call library where you have hours of coaching calls that I've done with other team members for you to listen to, dissect, trigger questions, answer questions, and a 30-minute coaching call with myself. That's the playbook. And that's really geared to, like you said, get you the best clones ever in 14 days or less using any rooting media or, or any nutrient brand. And this, the clone coach playbook stemmed from, you know, years of being in the nursery industry in California and always having the desire to help others. And I've wanted to, you know, do that for a long time. And I, it finally clicked, you know, working in a nursery before I left and came up with clone coach. I used to, uh, my old nursery used to be called Neighborhood Nursery, but I came up with Clone Coach and like, I just want to really help others. And I started practicing, sharing my digital um, SOPs to nurseries all over the country and they were getting the results. So I trialed some more, trialed some more and everybody was getting the results. So I really packaged it up and came to the market and said, hey, look, I know this works. I have, you know, there's people out there that say it works. And, uh, you know, over a thousand people later, you know, every it's five star reviews. It, this this stuff works. Um, so that's that's the nursery. That's a clone coach playbook that's available on clonecoach.com. And, you know, it's I, like you mentioned earlier, I do a lot of, you know, Instagram. I stay active on Instagram, um, YouTube as well. Uh, I do weekly lives clone questions live every Friday, 530 Pacific Standard Time on my Instagram where we could just have, you know, talk clones, talk nursery, talk uh, mother plants have a conversation. You could even join the live and we could do a quick video back and forth. You'll see a lot of other team members, you know, join the chats as well. Um, and then on my Instagram page, there's a lot, a lot of tangible value there. I really came out with the strategy of give, 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 you know, from all the experience and knowledge, knowing that this stuff works and the community has received it and, and, is, uh, and, is, and is loving all the free stuff. So go check it out, Clone Coach on Instagram and YouTube. You'll get the longer video content there. Got some tours there. Got some interviews there. Got the clone questions live are re-uploaded re there. So you get the full length uncut version there every week. So that's that's where it's at right now for Clone Coach. Amazing, amazing. And I should also mention that the playbook is also available in 12 different languages, including Spanish, Thai, Italian, 
Dutch, Chinese, and more. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting too. So people out there who have uh, friends in uh, foreign countries uh, that also are having trouble cloning uh, should should definitely take a look at the playbook at clonecoach.com. If you want nice, fuzzy, healthy fishbone roots and healthy cuttings rather than trying to coax the life out of a, a practically dying uh, clone you want a rooted cutting that's ready to go right into the veg stage and healthy without any kind of uh, recovery time i highly recommend uh, checking out clonecoach.com at clonecoach on instagram and on youtube um paul thank you so much uh, for enlightening people. Everybody everybody wants beautiful, healthy flowers, but they don't realize uh, you have to have beautiful, healthy mother plants and a really amazing SOP for rooting your clones and having them be healthy going right into to veg. And, you know, you're talking about, in some cases, up to 10,000 clones a month, right? So this is like serious business that you got going here. And I love it. Um, so, uh, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, and let people know, you know, like uh, any kind of last words that you think you want to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm blessed to be doing what I do with the passion I have for clones and for this plant and the ability to help people all over the world, like you mentioned. And, you know, it's it's just a blessing to help others, you know, make the best clones ever. And And people often hesitate you know, to, to pull the trigger on, you know, implementing new SOPs or, you know, I've, I've gotten by with my clones. I don't really need to change anything. Um, but the reality is most team members are making their investment back uh, on their very first batch in their very first batch. I mean, it's, it's priced at 297 right now. And if you use discount code Danko, you're going to get 10% off. And you know, like I said, you'll make your money back on your very next batch in 14 days. And, your clone, the way you look at clones will change forever. And that that momentum and, the, and a good start in your clones is just going to follow through throughout the rest of the crop. So you'll reap those benefits batch after batch after batch after batch. So Danny, I really, really appreciate you having me. Uh, to everybody listening out there, um, thank you. And if you want to make the best clones ever, just head on over to clonecoach.com. Use discount code DENKO. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Paul, the clone coach. Uh, for being on the show, and we will be back after these messages. Hey, friends, I just want to let you know that friends don't let friends bring clones home. You don't know what the phenotypes are. You don't know whether there's pests or disease on those clones. The only way to really, truly guarantee you're growing the phenotype of choice is through seeds. And the best way to get the seeds you want is through Seeds Here Now. Established way back in 2010, Seeds Here Now has been satisfying customers with the best genetics from the best breeders in the world. Pretty much anyone you want, they've got. With an average rating of 4.8 stars, Seeds Here Now is one of the most trusted and respected seed banks in the world. And Seeds Here Now is the only seed bank with a satisfaction guarantee. Plus, Seeds Here Now offers regular deals on seeds. Just click the On Sale tab on their website to see that month's deals on a variety of incredible genetics. And if you sign up for their email list, you'll be entered to win free seeds every time a Seeds Here Now email goes out. And Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the promo code GBY10 for 10% off anything on the site. 
So check out seedsherenow.com and get started on your own dream garden. All right. Welcome back. And uh, thank you to Paul, the clone coach. Uh, definitely a lot of great information there. Always important to get a good start uh, to your plants so that you'll have the beautiful flowers at the end. And it really all starts with healthy clones um, and healthy seedlings, for sure, and healthy mother plants, of course. Um, and as far as uh, mother plants, I would like to talk to you guys today about F1 hybrids. Um, there's a lot of confusion about this, uh, a lot of misinformation out there. I just want to make it real simple um, so that you understand what F1 hybrids are uh, and why you should grow them in certain instances. You know what I mean? It's not for every reason, but uh, certainly if you're going to start a mother plant, my recommendation uh, is to start with F1 hybrids. Now, um, what are F1 hybrids? Basically, uh, F1s are the, the, the F in the one stands for first filial strain or filial first with F1. Um, and that is the first filial cross between two different IBLs or inbred lines. Um, and what those are is plants that have been bred for specific genetics, several generations um, and inbred. Uh, with a selection process to basically uh, create an inbred line, which is similar in some ways to kind of like what a land race would be, a, a plant that has adapted to a certain area and also had several progeny that have uh, adapted to that. And so it becomes a, a stable genetic. Okay, that's the difference between uh, an IBL and just any other regular strain is that the IBL is uh, stable and performs uh, fairly uh, uniformly, you know, the traits are basically the, what the traits are genetically. Now, when you cross two IBLs with each other, similar to, let's say, taking a, uh, into, you know, just to simplify the process, a uh, long flowering, thin leafed uh, African sativa type of plant um, and crossing that with a short and stocky uh, Kush from uh, the mountains of uh, the Himalayas, you know, something like that, where you have two fairly distinctly different things um, that are very stable. And you cross those two basically by taking uh, male pollen from one and putting that male pollen onto a female flower uh, of the other. Now, the seeds that are going to come out of the, the, the cross of two distinct inbred lines, very different from each other, that those will be F1 hybrids, uh, and that's the first filial cross. Now, what's good about that is you get uh, hybrid vigor, and hybrid vigor is basically where those the plants from those F1 seeds are going to perform, in many cases, better than either parent uh, because of the 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 new genetics. Basically, you're you're kind of you're refreshing the gene pool, so to speak. You're making something brand new. And therefore, that first cross there um, is going to be really strong, typically, uh, and have uh, a good uh, resistance to pests and mold and things like that. Um, it's basically, uh, hybrid vigor is also known as uh, heterosis. And it's basically, 
you know, due to that combination of 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 different traits, uh, you get end up with a bigger, stronger, and more resistant plant. Um, only in that F1 cross. Now, F2s, F3s, that's a different story. And then sometimes you'll hear S1, S2. That is when you're selfing a plant using the female pollen from a plant that has been forced into uh, hermaphrodism. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about F1 hybrids. And so that's how they're created uh, by basically taking two inbred lines um, that are distinctly different from each other and crossing them. Um, now, uh, the difference between that and just any other strain that you can get seeds of um, is that the the F1 is going to have a uniformity that uh, the regular unstabilized cross is not. So there, the unstabilized cross is you know where you're going to find all different types of phenotypical um, expression. So multiple different phenotypes, uh, and uh, you know, basically that's kind of what, you know, people refer to almost as bag seed, you know, where two, two different things cross, um, that might be very similar, might be very different and something is going to happen. And there's some happy accidents that happen for sure. Uh, but real breeding takes years and years, uh, and is done by people who, who know what they're doing. And that's the way they get the, the IBLs. Um, and that's how you get an F1 hybrid is by crossing those. And then you get that, um, uniform uniform stability, stable traits, um, and traits that are expressed uh, in a tremendous manner. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to grow a mother plant, I'm going to get an F1 hybrid seed and you can find these at seedsherenow.com or anywhere you get seeds from um, just by searching F1 um, and, you know, then do some research, make sure the breeder knows what they're talking about and what they're doing to create these. Um, now, some IBLs don't combine well with each other. That's another thing you should understand. It's not just crossing two things to make something new. Uh, it's doing so with the knowledge of what is going to uh, perform and create uh, the right kind of IBL. Now, why should you really care uh, if you want you know, a plant to perform a specific way, you know, specific plant height, specific uh, cannabinoid or terpene profiles, uh, specific flowering time. Um, you really want that F1. You want hybrid vigor. And if you want a keeper, a mother plant that you hang on to forever, uh, you want that grown from an F1 too. You don't want to take a feminized seed uh, or something like that and try to create a mother plant out of that. You want uh, you want an F1. I mean, that's just going to, like I said, that hybrid vigor can't be, this is kind of like a cheat code, to be honest. This is how uh, a lot of uh, people maintain strains that are just way better uh than what you can purchase that isn't f1s you know just regular uh varieties that are out there and available with lots of different traits um so and the vigor is an important part of it too so uniformity stability uh, but the vigor for sure uh will give you higher yields uh, more potency more uh essential oil production and all of that uh better resistance uh to diseases and pests um, and even stress, you know, plants like this are less likely to uh, herm out if there's light leaks and things like that. And ultimately higher potency. I mean, that's really uh, what you want and the uh, the growth rate as well. I mean, just explosive growth. So that's my take on F1 hybrids and what they are and why you should seek them out. Now, on the from the breeder's perspective, um, creating an F1 hybrid yourself is going to take years of work. You're going to have to create inbred lines 
and then cross them and then figure out which ones cross well with each other and this, that, and the other. As a grower, and as especially as a hobby grower or a beginner, the important thing to note is you, if you're going to be self-sufficient, you want to grow the same thing over and over again, you want to have uh, cuttings of something strong and great and unique, um, get yourself some F1 hybrid seeds, grow them out uh, as seedlings, take cuts of the seedlings, root the cuttings, flower the cuttings, and let the cuttings tell you what the seedling that's still in its vegetative stage is going to do. And then you can use those cuttings to decide which of those seedlings to keep as your mother plants. Uh, they're females, they're strong, they're vigorous, and they're exactly what you want to grow for years and years, keep as a mom's and uh, take cuttings from those. That way uh, you can use the success from, you know, Paul, the clone coach, um, and from those F1 hybrids to really have something amazing and different and unique, strong and new. So that's my take on the F1 hybrids. Uh, there's a lot more, obviously, a lot more to learn all about, you know, how those are created, why, and what makes them so great. But, uh, you know, you want plants that grow true to type and you want, uh, you, you want as little genetic variability as possible. And uh, that's what you get with a true F1 hybrid cross uh, from two distinct, distinctly different IBLs in bread lines. All right. F it, do the F1. That's the way to go. And uh, yeah, excellent grow tip. So uh, it is the cultivation segment. We have no strain of the Fortnite, but we do have uh, some questions to answer. So we should do that. And if you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. Uh, the email is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also get us on uh, on YouTube or on Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that good stuff. Patreon. Do Patreon. So uh, what do you say we start this off? Let's do it. Excellent. All right. This first one, uh, this comes and it actually fits into this whole uh, kind of seed uh, or cloning theme that we've had today, but it's from Puff Puff Patrick. And he writes, uh, hey, guys, why is it that I buy a pack of seeds and plant them uh, that they all look radically different after each other? It doesn't matter who the supplier is. I'm starting to believe that strains are bullshit. <laughs> Can you guys address <laughs> this in your podcast? Regards. So yeah, what what would you say here to Puff Puff Pat? He's uh he's getting a little fed up. Wow, yeah. I mean, it kind of does relate to what I was just talking about because again, there are uh breeders and then there are people who just cross one strain with another uh and hope for the best. All <laughs> right. And there's names for that sort of thing as well. Uh and there's people that are just enthusiastic about it and they want to try it and they want to do something. Um but you know, rather than muddying the gene pool, what you want to do is improve the gene pool. So uh, the way to do that, like I said, is to cross two distinctly different things to create something new. Um, when you cross things that are very like each other, uh, you end up basically in, uh, with like recessive genetics and things that uh, end up all over the place with lots of different phenotypical expression. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to find something good there. You might. Uh, there are certainly cases of a uh, lot of cases uh, of people finding amazing phenos uh, in ver a variety of different bag seeds and crosses and things like that that are uh, accidental, uh, happy mistakes and things like that. Uh, but it's kind of like gambling. No one talks about when they lose. 
at gambling. You know, you only hear about people winning. So you got to remember for every one of those beautiful, happy, uh, miraculous accidents, there's millions of just, uh, you know, unintended consequences and uh, weaker varieties that just don't make the cut, don't have the 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 gas, don't have the the the, the fuel, whatever it is that you're looking for. So really, uh, you know, you, you just got to seek out the right uh, breeders and the right strain for you and find the right pheno. Uh, but my recommendation, as I said earlier, is to use F1 hybrids. Uh, if you're really searching for something uh, to grow over and over again, uh, if you're just interested in filling a bunch of jars with a bunch of different things, then uh, by all means, you know, just grow a, a lot of variety and 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 it'll be hit or miss uh, as it is typically with packs of seeds uh, that are fairly random. But if you're looking for the F1 label and it's from a reputable breeder, you should be able to find something real stable uh, and something that you uh, really enjoy and that is true to what the breeder says it is. Uh, and really, it's just a matter of them doing the work uh, of stabilizing a strain. Uh, there's not as many stable strains out there as there used to be, uh, but they are out there if you search. And and, and the, 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 the first best way to search uh, is try to find F1s. All right, there you go. We hope that helps you out, Pat. We'd also recommend uh, our sponsor, Seeds Here Now, as a good place to start if you're looking for some good genetics. They've got plenty of them there. Uh, let's move on. And you know what? We're going to do a hydroponic question. We, ha we haven't talked hydro on the show in a while, so that's, this is good. It comes from Bill, and he writes, uh, Hey, guys, I grow hydroponically in a flood and drain table with my roots held in pots with grow rocks, hydrogen pellets. And instead of emptying my reservoir and refilling it every week or two, I simply top it off with fresh nutrient solution as it gets used up by my plants or evaporates. This saves me lots of time and energy, and it seems to work well. Uh, do you recommend changing out the nutrient solution entirely, or is it okay to keep topping it off as necessary? What would you say here to Bill? Oh, wow, Bill. You are playing a dangerous game, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I, I know this game. I have done the hydro uh, thing in the past, and it's always easier to just top off a reservoir than it is to empty it out, clean it, and 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 start all over. But, and this is a big but, <laughs> uh, you can a lot of problems can arise from doing it over and over again. Now, uh, if you clean your entire reservoir and system every two weeks or so, you're going to avoid most of these problems. But what will happen eventually is you'll end up with either pathogens of some kind or some type of virus or something in that water. Uh, and if you don't remove it and clean everything out, it just stays there and it, your plants will die. It'll kill them uh, in many cases without you really even knowing what's happening. Uh, it happens real fast um, and it's pretty ugly. So uh, what I would do, what I would recommend is basically every two weeks to do a full cleaning and in between that time, uh, do the topping off. Uh, so basically start with fresh nutrient solution ph to exactly where you want with hydro i would say 5.5 to 6.0 uh slightly more acidic than i would go uh with a with a soilless mix or or anything else like that uh and with your nutrient solution at the proper level that you want with the ppms and then uh as it 
gets used up by the plants as it evaporates. Um, keep track, obviously, of the pH and the PPMs and top off as needed. Now, don't just keep topping off forever. After two weeks, empty everything out. You know, Let it get low if you need to or whatever. Then empty everything out and do a full cleaning. Now, it's not as crazy as it sounds. Just you know, mix basically for every five liters of water, uh, maybe 125 milliliters of peroxide, 3% peroxide. Uh, put some gloves on and just really scrub your uh, reservoir uh, and even your trays and anything that goes between the reservoir and the trays, any tubing or anything, just run that through there uh, and then and then clean that off. Obviously, you know, use plain water, uh, rinse off the peroxide solution, and you're good to go. And at that point, you, you know, start fresh with the fresh nutrient solution. Um, start with your plain water, whether it's RO water, depending on what you're starting with, but get a nice uh, plain water base, then add your newts as necessary, and then check the pH, check the PPMs, and there you go. You do that every two weeks, you're much more likely to avoid issues um, with uh, your roots rotting and dying or any kind of uh, viruses or pathogens that basically can be there in the water and attack your roots uh, and kill your plants. So uh, it it works for a while, but until it doesn't. So I would definitely say you want to clean um, your reservoir, clean your tray, clean some of the smaller parts. Uh, and even sometimes your substrate, if you're reusing things like uh, grow rocks or anything like that, um, clean those off too, uh, because there are a lot of things that can hide and they're very tiny and they can kill. So uh, definitely I would recommend cleaning uh, the nutrient solution completely entirely out of your hydro reservoir every two weeks and starting fresh. All right. There you go. We uh, we hope that helps you out. Uh, what your what was your name, Bill? Bill, we hope that helps you out. And now I guess we understand why it's saving you so much time and energy because you're doing much less work. But um, that's some good advice from Dan. Let's uh, let's take a statement, I guess, from Facebook. This comes from Nathan. He writes, uh, "I love your podcast. Thank you for doing what you do. Not only have you guys changed my life, you have also inspired me to stop being afraid and follow my dreams." I'm now in school to pursue a degree in horticultural studies. So that's that's pretty awesome. Congratulations, Nathan. Um, although, remember, you could lead a horticulture, but you can't make her think. Wow. An oldie Dor but a Dor Dorothy Parker said that, so send your angry letters to her. Uh, but yeah, congratulations, Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. That's so awesome and uh, uh, an amazing pursuit. And I think uh, you're, you're well on your way to success in the horticultural industry. Uh, just remember, keep, keep the joy, keep the love, uh, keep the fun. Absolutely. All right. So we are running out of time here, but let's do one more. This comes from Gilbert's Grapes. <laughs> uh, hey, grow bud yourself, guys. My outdoor plants have something wrong with them. Uh, the big fan leaves have holes and burn marks. There are some weird little brown dots or bumps on the undersides of the leaves, and the top of the leaves look like they have some shiny and sticky clear slime. Also, ants are constantly crawling up and down the main stem, but don't seem to be doing the damage. What gives? What would you say here to Gilbert? Yeah, uh, it sounds to me like you have uh, scales. Uh, these are 
basically sometimes called mealybugs, sometimes called barnacle scales, wax scales. They're these weird bugs and they're freaky deaky. They're like, they just sit in one place and just, they, they suck the life out of your plants, your stems and your leaves. Uh, but they just sit there. So they look like bumps or like just little rusty things. They also release a, a sticky substance, which is what you're seeing on the, uh, on the leaves. That's the honeydew. Um, aphids also do this, but, uh, that's what's attracting the ants. The ants are there basically using the scale. They're like farming the scale <laughs> to make the honeydew. You got a whole ecosystem going on on your plants, but it's not good um, because the burnt holes, that's the sooty mold uh, that's caused by that honeydew. The damage that the scale are doing to your plants and leaves is hard to measure, but it's but it's there. And if you don't do something, it only gets worse. Um so the first thing is identifying them. So if you actually see those bumps, um, they don't move. That's the other thing. I mean, they just look like warts on your plants. So it's weird. Most of the other plants that are the other insects that we're dealing with, uh, you can see them moving around. You can tell they're alive. With scale, they just sit in one place. They're circular. Uh, they look like what you said, like red or brown bumps. Um, they could be on the stem, on the leaves, wherever. Uh, but they do hurt your plants a lot uh, and they start real small so you can't see them. And as they basically suck the life out of your plants, they get bigger and bigger. Um, they can crawl, but very, very slowly. They're not like, you know, they don't move a lot. They're just these armored kind of scale things. And uh, it's weird because of that armor, you can't really use a lot of like horticultural soaps. Uh, you really have to kind of... Uh, basically rub them off your plants. You know, I would say if it's a small uh, in invasion, you could probably uh, prune them, you know, physically pull them off. Uh, a cotton swab with rubbing alcohol helps out as well, just to sort of uh, get them off. But I would say use a, use a, a cloth uh, with some rubbing alcohol um, and really wipe, you can wipe them right off and just clean them off. And then I would say just spray with plain water after using uh, a little bit of alcohol to get them off of there. The good thing is they can't run. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. So as long as you get the undersides of the leaves, the tops of the leaves, and the stems, uh, you should be able to fight back the problem. Uh, as long as you're not seeing those ants crawling back up and down, as long as you're not seeing any new damage or new scale forming, you should be good. Uh, but certainly uh, wipe off uh, the scales with a uh, cloth, basically with like a little bit of rubbing alcohol on it. Um, and then, you know, rinse the plants off uh, with a nice foliar feed of just plain water. Uh, and you should see them bounce right back. Uh, the good thing about scale, like I said, they don't move quick and they don't really spread super quick. Uh, so once you've recognized them and dealt with them, you'll be able to recognize and deal with them again uh, fairly quickly. Uh, but they are very weird and confusing at first because you don't really know what the hell's going on. Um, so good luck. And like I said, uh, uh, find the scale and then uh, dispose of the uh, of the scale post-haste. <laughs> Makes sense. That's weird and gross. I'd never heard of that before. But um, all right, we hope that helps you out there, Gilbert. 
thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. And if you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. The email, as always, is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also get us on Twitter, on Instagram, especially Patreon, YouTube, all the all the socials. What do you say uh, we take a short break, come back and wrap this one up? Let's do it. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. Welcome back. This is the wrap. I want to thank uh, DJ Jacques Winstrong, of course. I want to thank Paul, the clone coach. I hope you guys uh, learned some new techniques or uh, ways to uh, increase your cloning uh, success rates. I want to thank our sponsors, of course, Seeds Here Now. Uh, check out the code there, GBY free ship for free shipping at seedsherenow.com. Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, the code there, Denko15 for 15% off, plus uh, even more percentages off if you join our Patreon page. Um, Excelsior Extracts, their THC-infused pain relief rub is amazing. Check them out on Instagram, at Excelsior Extracts. Prime Superior Inoculant, PS420 for 15% off of their amazing products. Uh, the cloning gel in particular, I recommend, since we're talking cloning so much today. Um, the cloning honey that they have is fantastic and uh, very wonderful to use. And our newest advertiser, Purple Rose Supply. Thank you for jumping on board with us. Uh, if you guys are interested in rolling your own uh, canagars, uh, big cannabis blunts, they have the uh, different molds and different sizes for that. And the code is GBY20 for 20% off there. Of course, vapor.com, our affiliate, uh, you've got the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20. Uh, for 20% off of any kind of vaporizers, rolling papers, uh, CBD products, uh, glass uh, pipes, uh, anything, Puffco, Volcano, uh, Dr. Dabber, anything that's out there, a, a, a riser, any vaporizer you can purchase and get 20% off uh, with our code GrowBudYourself20. So please check them out. Of course, thank you to you guys, our Patreon supporters. Uh, I love you guys. Please support us over there at Patreon dot com slash Danny Danko, even at the $4.20 per month rate. Uh, it's really amazing. And there's lots of free stuff you can get uh, if you sign up at different levels over there. Um, thanks to our YouTube subscribers. Thanks to all of you guys. Um, you really make it uh, fun and enjoyable. And I hope it's been inspirational and educational as well and entertaining 
for you guys. Um, and I hope that you are also out there growing bud yourself. Um, thanks to you, Mike, uh, my co-host and producer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Episode number 120. Let's put it in the books.